Salam guys, I'm Mohsin. Welcome to this episode of Millionaire Muslim. Before we get into this episode, we just wanted to spend a few seconds telling you about Islamic Finance Guru or IFG for short. Mohsin and I co-founded IFG in 2015 because we couldn't find content about personal finance and Islamic finance for Muslims like you and I. Nowadays, alhamdulillah, we reach an audience of hundreds of thousands and our goal is to keep providing great content to help you guys. So if you're looking for halal investments and Islamic mortgages or startup funding, check us out at islamicfinanceguru.com. And if you want to get in touch with us directly, you can get me on mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and you can get Ibrahim on ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Enjoy the episode. Looking for a different approach to money? Meet Gatehouse Bank a Sharia-compliant UK bank built for the modern world. We help home buyers to purchase or refinance their home, provide buy-to-let funding for landlords, and offer award-winning savings accounts. Wherever you're going, get there a different way. Get there with Gatehouse. To find out more, visit gatehousebank.com. Before we dive in, I'd just like to say a quick thank you to our sponsor, PensionBee. They have helped over 70,000 customers be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. They also have a great Sharia compliant pension option as well, which is why we personally really like them. And you can check out a review of their offering on the Sharia side on our website. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد فإن خير الحديث كتاب الله وخير الحديث هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار أما بعد So for people who haven't been to any of these sessions before obviously the first one that we've done on this telegram group was last week but we have actually run a few of these tafsir sessions where you focus on the economics and finance aspects of the Quran we've been running those for a while in 2018 and then a little bit of 2019 before we took a bit of a pause and really, I just wanted to refresh that and continue that because I think it's important. And the whole idea behind this is we go through the Quran from ideally start to finish. And we go through those ayat of the Quran that are focused on personal finance, business, money, careers, to some extent, financial relationships and what have you. Alhamdulillah, we've now actually got through all of Surah Baqarah and we're just about to start today on Surah Al-Imran and the first verses from there. So inshallah, let me dive in. I'll be reading from the 14th verse of Surah Al-Imran. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Zuyina linnasi hubbush shahawati minan nisai wal banina wal qanatiril muqantara. وَالْقَنَاطِيرِ الْمُقَنْطَرَةِ مِنَ الذَّهَبِ وَالْفِضَّةِ وَالْقَيْلِ الْمُسَوَّمَةِ وَالْأَنْعَامِ وَالْحَرْثِ ذَلِكَ مَتَاعُ الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا 
والله عنده حسن المآب قل أنبئكم بخير من ذلكم للذين اتقوا عند ربهم جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار جنات جنات تجري من تحتها الأنهار خالدين فيها وأزواج مطهرة ورضوان من الله والله بصير بالعباد الذين يقولون ربنا إننا آمنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وقنا عذاب النار الصابرين والصادقين والقانتين والمنفقين والمستغفرين بالأسحار Allah SWT, he says in Surah Al-Imran, he says, The enjoyment of worldly desires, women, children, treasures of gold and silver, fine horses, cattle and fertile land, has been made appealing to people. These are the pleasures of this worldly life, but with Allah is the finest destination. Say, O Prophet, shall I inform you of what is better than all of this? Those mindful of Allah will have gardens with their Lord under which rivers flow to stay there forever and pure spouses along with Allah's pleasure. And Allah is all-seeing of his servants who pray, O our Lord, we have believed, so forgive our sins and protect us from the torment of the fire. It is they who are patient, sincere, obedient and charitable and who pray for forgiveness before dawn. Pretty powerful verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says to us that I have given you all of these fripperies of life. I've given you all of these pleasures of life. But ultimately, when you look at it in the context of the Akhirah, it all pales into insignificance. And ultimately, the Akhirah is the thing that really matters. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says that I'm going to offer you something much, much greater and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says in the two verses thereafter, he gives us qualities of people who are actually going to be those people who achieve that quite difficult state of prioritizing the long term above the short term. There's a few different threads here that I wanted to kind of pick apart over the next 20 minutes or so, inshallah. The first of those is if you read this verse, زُيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ حُبُّ الشَّهَوَاتِ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ وَالْبَنِينَ وَالْقَنَاطِيرِ الْمُقَنْطُرَةِ مِنَ الذَّهَبِ وَالْفِضَّةِ Allah SWT is giving all of this list of things that distract people. And interestingly, if you think about the average human being's life, the average human being's life, there are different stages to that life and there are different distractions to that life as you go deeper and deeper into that life. So at the start, when you're young and your hormones are raging and you go off to university or you're in your final years of college and maybe even early years after university, when you're not married, the key topic, I don't know if it was just my circles, but the key topic in Islamic societies up and down this country is marriage, right? If you want to have a topic 
or a conversation or a talk that's fully packed out, then make sure that it's on marriage. Then that's going to make sure that everyone turns up. And the reason why underlying is because there's this deep-seated carnal desire, right, for the opposite gender. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, he knows that and he's called that out. And that's the first thing he says, It is made beautified for people. The worldly desires, shahawat are base carnal desires. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has beautified that for people. And the first thing he says is nisa, women. And of course, on the other side, for women, it would be men and vice versa. And that's the first stage of a person's life where you have those kinds of desires. The second stage, once you've got through that whole phase where now you've got yourself married and you've got that monkey off your back, so to speak, the next thing is children, right? So that's now what people compete for or they really desire. They want to have children. And then you have those children, you have one or two children, like the first child is really, really special. And I've got two children now, and Mohsin, mashallah, has got three. I mean, I'm losing count now slowly. I think Mohsin's got three now. So the first child is really special. The second child is still special, but it's not the first child. And of course, children are always going to be special. But the point is that you had that really powerful, almost instinctual level of desire to have children, and that then slowly dissipates. And then after that, it becomes trying to make something of yourself as you now head into maybe your mid-20s, late-20s, early-30s. You want to gather up those treasures of gold and silver. You want to get yourself a fine horse, i.e. you want to buy yourself a nice car, right, in our day and age. You want to buy yourself a nice car and maybe, in my case, a nice scooter, a nice cycle as we now move into climate change conscious era. You get that. That's the next thing along the journey of life. And then you want to make sure that you have a nice house, cattle and fertile land, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions. You want to make sure that where you live is something that is appealing to you and it is something that is pleasing to you. And also it says something about you and your status to the rest of the world. And you really care about that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is just listing it all out. And he says, He says fine horses or branded horses. So it's not just a Toyota Yaris or a Toyota Prius that you're driving. You want to go for a BMW 7 Series or you want to go for an Aston Martin. There's a house a few roads down from where I live, which I think is fantastic. I mean, either they're car dealers or they're drug dealers. That's all I can say because they've got a range of really expensive vehicles outside their house and it's a terraced house. One does kind of scratch their heads. But the point is that it turns eyes because you look at it and you think, wow, those are some pretty special cars. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is listing that out because he knows the human being. He's listing that out in order of how we think about our desires and as they come up in front of us. And I guess the take-home message for us all is you need to know your own stage. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows human beings. He's the designer. He's the maker. He knows us. And I guess for me personally, I'm past the marriage and the children stage. At this stage, now the biggest fitna is the wealth aspect, right? The car sorted because it's a banger. So I don't think I'm worried about the car just yet. But for me, I guess it's the wealth, which is my stage of life. And for other people, it will be other stages of your life. So just be aware of that. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is giving us a heads up that, look guys, this is how I've designed you. So be aware of that. Then, of course, the really interesting thing here, and Islam 
is ultimately all about this, right? And Islam is ultimately something that is good for us as human beings. And I think it's an immutable law of nature or immutable law of society that those people who forego short-term pleasures for long-term things and those people who optimize for the long-term over the short-term will win out in the long run. And the Qur'an and Islam is all about that. The Qur'an and Islam trains you consistently and regularly to eschew and give up short-term desires. So you want to sleep in in the morning, the Qur'an tells you, get up and pray. And Islam tells you to get up and pray. You want to eat, Islam has 30 days fasting built in. You start losing your iman after a week, Islam has that Jum'ah Salah that's there for you to be given a pep talk to kind of get you back onto even keel. So at the heart of Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that the long term is better than the short term. Should I tell you something that is just better than all of this? Those who are mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will give them gardens under which rivers flow, these everlasting gardens. And also just mathematically speaking, right? If you have a long term that stretches for an infinite period of time, then the short term is naturally going to be just completely insignificant compared to that. It has important and interesting corollaries and implications when it comes to thinking about the problem of evil and why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make babies suffer and all this sort of thing. And I won't go into that in too much detail, but this immutable law of nature, this immutable law of societies and of Islam about how the long term is always prioritized is something that has wider implications as well in other areas of theology. And I guess the other thing to point out here is that this is quite intuitive as well, right? Because if you think about the most successful people, they will often have done tens of thousands of hours worth of training, issuing short-term pleasures in order to achieve that long-term goal. So someone like Moor Farah, Muhammad Farah, or someone like that, they put in hours and hours of their time to get to that level of expertise and to that level of proficiency at which they operate at. And we get that. As human beings, we get that instinct that that makes complete sense, that success really is about giving up the short term and focusing on the akhirah, or in the case of a non-Muslim, focusing on the long term. And Islam is good for us because what it is doing is training us in every single act that we do. It is training us to focus on that long term. So even just looking at it from a purely secular perspective, Islam is a way of life that trains you to prioritize the long term, i.e. to make you a better human being and to make you a higher performing human being. And then, of course, the real reason why Islam does that is because there's the Akhirah. Just conscious of the time, so I want to carry on quite quickly. So the other thing is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, of course, the Akhirah is better and then he says, Allah he then gives us these characteristics of people who have nailed this dialectic, who've nailed this balance between the long term and the short term, and they've prioritized things in the right way. And he gives us some hints, some tantalizing hints about how you become that kind of person. He says, these people, they pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I know this is translated as pray, but they cry out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They speak to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they say, Our Lord, we have believed. 
So forgive our sins and protect us from the torment of the fire. So these are people that believe and are public about their belief. And they are very consciously Muslims. They ask forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala constantly. Prophet used to ask forgiveness many, many times during a day. And Prophet was completely sinless. And when Aisha radiallahu asked him, why do you do that? Then he said, Should I not be a righteous? Should I not be a thankful slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So if that's Prophet's approach and maqam, then what of us? We need to be asking for forgiveness so much more. Then this person who has achieved success in this delicate dance of the long term over the short term, he also asks for protection from the torment of the hellfire. He's really, really focused upon the Akhirah and where we're going to be ending up. And then there's some fantastic qualities of this person. And it is they who are patient, right? Because it's tough to not eat junk food. It's tough to wake up for Fajr in the morning. It's tough to look away from something that you shouldn't look at. It's tough to do all of these things. But these people are patient. And they are sincere and trustworthy and they are obedient and charitable. And who pray for forgiveness before dawn. And really that's the final point that I just wanted to kind of reflect on, which is about the Hajjud peace. These people who are pray for forgiveness before dawn. It's incredible that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's talking about the hajjud as one of the key qualities or characteristics of these people. And you see an example of the Prophet. For the Prophet, the hajjud was ordained upon him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, Ya ayyuhal muzammil, qum fa'anthir wa rabbaka fakabbir wa thiyabaka fatahir wa... Sorry, ya ayyuhal muddassir, qum fa'anthir wa rabbaka fakabbir wa thiyabaka fatahir wa al-rujza fahjur. To the best of my memory, Allah he tells him to basically pray in the middle of the night. That's, there we go. This is the second or third verses that are revealed to him after the verses of Iqra. It's incredible. Like, the Prophet ﷺ, the second or third verses that set him up for the entire prophethood are about the Hajjud. There is something really, really special about the Hajjud. It's like a secret power that Muslims can opt to use or decide that actually they're not going to use it, which is obviously a massive shame. It's a secret power that we all have access to if we decide to use it. And if we look in the Quran constantly, it's talking about the Hajjud. It's not even a compulsory prayer. But the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is doing that is because there's something incredibly special about that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he talks about how he descends every night and the last third of it remains. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, there's a hadith that says, Our Lord, the Blessed, the Superior, descends to the lowest heaven saying, Is there anyone to ask me so that I may grant him his request? Is there anyone to invoke me so that I may respond to his invocation? Is there anyone seeking my forgiveness so that I may forgive him? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he has literally given us the answer to pretty much all of our problems, which is be consistent and get up for the hajjud. Obviously, do your five daily prayers. But in the hajjud, there's 
a real secret because it's hard to do that. And if you're doing the hard things, that's where you know that you're putting daylight between you and other people. And ultimately, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he sets this life up as a race to the akhirah and the race. Fastabikul khayrat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he says race for the good things, race for the akhirah and jannah. So you want to be able to distinguish yourself from other people. And also just importantly, a wider point, we all have lots of desires, we all have lots of things that we want to achieve in our life. But do we really want it enough to get up and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for it in tahajjud? Because if we don't, then there's one stone that we've left unturned. And if we are genuine about that thing, and if we're sincere, and if that's something that is religiously inspired as well, and we're not doing tahajjud, then if you look back after a decade of you doing that thing, you won't be able to say hand on heart that actually I put in all my effort because there was this one secret source that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given you and you hadn't done. So I think that the hajjud is an incredible tool in the arsenal of the believer. And that's pretty much it really for today. I think really the two things I'd like to leave us with is firstly, we should prioritize the long term over the short term. And that manifests in many ways and maybe do a bit of MOT on your own day-to-day life and see where you can do that. And then the other thing is, let's all start to get onto the tahajjud. It's quite easy these days. Just wake up five minutes before fajr and then do tahajjud and then do fajr and then you can go to sleep because the masajid are mainly shut. At least in the UK they are, so there's no going to the masjid in any case. Uh, So I think it's actually a great way of getting into the habit. But yeah, I hope that was beneficial and love to hear your thoughts and your questions and your observations on these verses as well. That was really, really helpful, Ibrahim. I just wanted to add, like, just some thoughts because you triggered a few thoughts in my head as well. Particularly the two kind of things you said that obviously stood out. They mentioned at the end as well, one is around the consistency and one is around last parathel has given us you termed as a superpower in Tahajjud, which I think is a really nice way of making that relatable. And I was thinking about this consistency thing recently because I'm sure I'm not the only one who's having to deal with, like, kids at home and homeschooling and all that kind of thing. And I was just thinking that, subhanAllah, like we all know that we've got examples in our own lives where it was the consistent things that kind of won out. And I was thinking about it in the context of schooling, because at least probably 99% of us didn't like going to school, but you had to do it. It wasn't an option. And you spend all of your childhood going to school and the fruits kind of come at the end of it. And actually, if you think about that, uh, that's an incredible feat on itself, isn't it? Just spending six hours a day or however long your school day was for like 10 years of your life or however many years it is of your life that you spend in school. That's like such an incredible act if you actually think about it. And the reason is because it sets you up for life. That's your education and that's the molding of your brain early doors. And there's a similar parallel with, I'm not half it, but like many of us say the same thing, right? That it's all about the consistency. And I remember one excerpt from Sheikh Haytham actually, where he was comparing himself with like other Hufal and he was saying that he came to start doing Hifth quite relatively late in his life. And when he compared himself to people who had done it earlier on, because they were pretty much forced into it, for want of a better word, he was much weaker and they were much better because they just had that consistency for much, much longer. And all of that is quite a long-winded way of saying that they're kind of the things that you don't do them out of that immediate zeal they're just the slow burners but because you do them for just such a long time 
it bears a tremendous amount of fruit. And there is really for us a similar example in IFG actually, because alhamdulillah, that's something we've been like plugging away at for quite a long time. And we never expected it to be an overnight thing. But here we are kind of six, seven years or whatever it is after we started it and kind of seeing that snowball effect now. So yeah, just some kind of reflections on everything. JazakAllah khair. Love to hear other people's thoughts as well. Feel free to chip in. First of all, Ibrahim, JazakAllah khair. Really good talk. I hope, inshallah, just like you guys are making consistent effort on a lot of fronts, I hope this is a consistent feature of IFG, inshallah, and I'll try and be as consistent as I can with all the responsibilities of family with this pandemic, inshallah, to tune in and listen to these talks. I was actually reading something on Sheikh Amar al-Shukri's Facebook feed. I don't remember the exact quote right now, but he said something on the lines of, or maybe it was somebody else that he quoted that, if you want something in life, you really, really want something in life and you haven't woken up in the middle of the night and prayed the Hajjah or late in the night and you haven't prayed the Hajjah, then you didn't really want it. For me, it was like a massive, massive thing because you want things in life, whether it's a car or whether it's a better job or whether it's hidayah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or mafia from various ailments or sickness or relief for whatever reason, etc., etc., his words were so powerful. I think it was Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif who said that, that if you want something and if you don't wake up for the Hajjah and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so close to you, it just basically means that you don't really want it. And I'm trying to make a more consistent effort to do the Hajjah. And I think your reminder came at just the right time for me to give me that impetus, to give me that push, inshallah, to improve myself. And the second thing that I kind of just remembered that there was a while back, I actually memorized Surah Muzammil. So like it brought back some very good memories of going through the process of memorization of that surah. So Jazakallah Khair for that. Really appreciate it. No, Jazakallah Khair. Any other thoughts, questions, comments, observations, please feel free to just interrupt me. But one other thought came to me, which was becoming consistent is about creating habits. And creating habits is almost a biological things that you have to kind of hack it and you don't want to shock your body into things either so it might be that perhaps you do fudger right at the end of fudger time so maybe what you want to do is just bring that further back by 15 minutes every day and get yourself to the point where it's just at the start of fudger time and then you just move it 15 minutes further back and suddenly it's a lot easier for you to just do the hajjud and then do fudger and then just try and stick at it for about a month and then what you find is your body just automatically adjusts to that and that becomes the new normal. That's kind of an observation in terms of just really practically trying to achieve a change. If you got this far, you must have enjoyed the podcast, which means you'll definitely love our other episodes and other content we produce as well, inshallah. Be sure to check out the website, islamicfinanceguru.com, as well as our YouTube channel and social media. Until next time, assalamu alaikum.